0: Section twenty four of Pamela or Virtue Rewarded. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela or Virtue Rewarded by Samuel Richardson. Section twenty four. Tuesday. Mr. Thomas is returned from you, my dear father, with the good news of your health. And your proceeding in your journey to my dear mother, where I hope to hear soon you are arrived. My master has just now been making me play upon the spinet and sing to it, and was pleased to commend me for both. But he does so for everything I do, so partial does his goodness make him to me. One o'clock. We are just returned from an airing in the chariot, and I have been delighted with his conversation upon English authors, poets particularly. He entertained me also with a description of some of the curiosities he had seen in Italy and France, when he made what the polite world call the grand tour. He said he wanted to be at his other seat, for he knew not well how to employ himself here, having not proposed to stay half the time. "'And when I get there, Pamela,' said he, "'you will hardly be troubled with so much of my company. After we have settled, for I have a great many things to adjust.' And I must go to London, for I have accounts that have run on longer than ordinary with my banker there. And I don't know, added he, but the ensuing winter I may give you a little taste of the diversions of the town for a month or so. I said, His will and pleasure should determine mine, and I never would, as near as I could, have a desire after those or any other entertainments that were not in his own choice. He was pleased to say, I make no doubt but that I shall be very happy in you, and hope you will be so in me. For, said he, I have no very enormous vices to gratify, though I pretend not to the greatest purity, neither, my girl. Sir, said I, if you can account to your own mind, I shall always be easy in whatever you do. But our greatest happiness here, sir, continued I, is a very short duration, and this life, at the longest, is a poor transitory one, and I hope we shall be so happy as to be enabled to look forward, with comfort, to another, where our pleasures will be everlasting. You say well, Pamela, and I shall, by degrees, be more habituated to this way of thinking, as I more and more converse with you. But, at present, you must not be over-serious with me all at once." though I charge you never forbear to mingle your sweet divinity in our conversation, whenever it can be brought in a propose, and with such a cheerfulness of temper, as shall not throw a gloomy cloud over our innocent enjoyments. I was abashed at this, and silent, fearing I had offended. But he said, If you attend rightly to what I said, I need not tell you again, Pamela, not to be discouraged from suggesting to me, on every proper occasion, The pious impulses of your own amiable mind. Sir, said I, you will be always indulgent, I make no doubt, to my imperfections, so long as I mean well. My master made me dine with him, and would eat nothing but what I helped him to, and my heart is, every hour, more and more enlarged with his goodness and condescension. But still, what ails me? I wonder. A strange sort of weight hangs upon my mind. As Thursday draws on, which makes me often sigh involuntarily, and damps at times the pleasures of my delightful prospects. I hope this is not ominous, but only the foolish weakness of an overthoughtful mind on an occasion the most solemn and important of one's life, next to the last scene, which shuts up all. I could be very serious, but I will commit all my ways to that blessed providence which hitherto has so wonderfully conducted me through real evils to this hopeful situation. I only fear, and surely I have great reason, that I shall be too unworthy to hold the affections of so dear a gentleman. God teach me humility, and to know my own demerit. And this will be, next to his grace, my surest guard, in the state of life to which, though most unworthy, I am going to be exalted and don't cease your prayers for me, my dear parents, for perhaps this new condition may be subject to still worse hazards than those I have escaped, as would be the case were conceitedness, vanity, and pride to take hold of my frail heart, and if I was, for my sins, to be left to my own conduct a frail bark in a tempestuous ocean without ballast or other pilot than my own inconsiderate will but my master said on another occasion that those who doubted most always erred least and i hope i shall always doubt my own strength my own worthiness i will not trouble you with twenty sweet agreeable things that passed in conversation with my excellent benefactor nor with the civilities of m colbrand mrs jukes and all the servants who seemed to be highly pleased with me and with my conduct to them and as my master hitherto finds no fault that I go too low, nor they that I carry it too high, I hope I shall continue to have everybody's good will. But yet will I not seek to gain any ones by little meannesses or debasements, but aim at a uniform and regular conduct, willing to conceal involuntary errors as I would have my own forgiven, and not too industrious to discover real ones or to hide such, if any such should appear, as might encourage bad hearts or unclean hands, in material cases, where my master should receive damage, or where the morals of the transgressors should appear wilfully and habitually corrupt. In short, I will endeavor, as much as I can, that good servants shall find in me a kind encourager, indifferent ones be made better by inspiring them with a laudable emulation and bad ones, if not too bad in nature, and quite irreclaimable, reformed by kindness, expostulation, and even proper menaces, if necessary, but most by a good example. All this, if God pleases. Wednesday Now, my dear parents, I have but this one day between me and the most solemn rite that can be performed. My heart cannot yet shake off this heavy weight. Sure I am ungrateful to the divine goodness and the favour of the best of benefactors. Yet I hope I am not, for at times my mind is all exultation, with the prospect of what good to-morrow's happy somnity may possibly, by the leave of my generous master, put it in my power to do. Oh, how shall I find words to express, as I ought, my thankfulness for all the mercies before me. Wednesday Evening my dear master is all love and tenderness. He sees my weakness, and generously pities and comforts me. I begged to be excused to supper, but he brought me down himself from my closet, and placed me by him, bidding Abraham not wait. I could not eat, and yet I tried, for fear he should be angry. He kindly forbore to hint anything of the dreadful yet delightful to-morrow, and put now and then a little bit on my plate, and guided it to my mouth. I was concerned to receive his goodness with so ill a grace. "'Well,' said he, "'if you won't eat with me, drink at least with me.' I drank two glasses by his over-persuasions, and said, "'I am really ashamed of myself.' "'Why, indeed,' said he, "'my dear girl, I am not a very dreadful enemy, I hope.' I cannot bear anything that is the least concerning to you. "'Oh, sir,' said I, "'all is owing to the sense I have of my own unworthiness. "'To be sure, it cannot be anything else.' He rung for the things to be taken away, and then reached a chair, and sat down by me, and put his kind arms about me, and said the most generous and affecting things that ever dropped from the honey-flowing mouth of love.' all I have not time to repeat, some I will. And, oh, indulge your foolish daughter, who troubles you with her weak nonsense, because what she has to say is so affecting to her, and because, if she went to bed, instead of scribbling, she could not sleep. This sweet confusion and thoughtfulness in my beloved Pamela, said the kind man, on the near approach of our happy union, when I hope all doubts are cleared up, and nothing of dishonour, is apprehended, show me most abundantly what a wretch I was to attempt such purity with a worse intention. No wonder that one so virtuous should find herself deserted of life itself on a violence so dreadful to her honour, and seek a refuge in the shadow of death. But now, my dearest Pamela, that you have seen a purity on my side, as nearly imitating your own, as our sex can show to yours, and since I have, all the day long, suppressed even the least intimation of the coming days, that I might not alarm your tender mind. Why all this concern? Why all this affecting, yet sweet confusion? You have a generous friend, my dear girl, in me, a protector now, not a violator of your innocence. Why, then, once more I ask, this strange perplexity? this sweet confusion.' "'Oh, sir,' said I, and hid my face on his arm, "'expect not reason from a foolish creature. You should have still indulged me in my closet. I am ready to beat myself for this ungrateful return to your goodness, but I know not what. I am, to be sure, a silly creature. Oh, had you but suffered me to stay by myself above, I should have made myself ashamed of so culpable a behaviour. But goodness added to goodness every moment, and the sense of my own unworthiness quite overcome my spirits. Now, said the generous man, will I, though reluctantly, make a proposal to my sweet girl. If I have been too pressing for the day, if another day will still be more obliging, if you have fears you will not then have, you shall say but the word, and I'll submit. Yes, my Pamela, for though I have these three days past, thought every tedious hour a day till Thursday comes, if you earnestly desire it, I will postpone it. Say, my dear girl, freely say, but accept not my proposal, without great reason, which yet I will not ask for. Sir, said I, I can expect nothing but superlative goodness, I have been so long used to it from you. This is a most generous instance of it. But I fear, yes, I fear it will be too much the same thing, some days hence, when the happy yet fool that I am, dreaded time shall be equally near." "'Kind, lovely charmer,' said he, now do I see you are to be trusted with power, from the generous use you make of it. Not one offensive word or look from me shall wound your nicest thoughts but pray try to subdue this over-scrupulousness and unseasonable timidity i persuade myself you will if you can indeed sir i will said i for i am quite ashamed of myself with all these lovely views before me the honours you do me the kindness you show me i cannot forgive myself for oh if i know the least of this idle foolish heart of mine it is not a misgiving thought of your goodness, and I should abhor it if it were capable of the least affectation. But, dear good sir, leave me a little to myself, and I will take myself to a severer task than your goodness will let you do, and I will present my heart before you a worthier offering to you than at present its wayward follies will let it seem to be. But one thing is, one has no kind friend of one's own sex, to communicate one's foolish thoughts to, and to be strengthened by their comfortings. But I am left to myself, and, oh, what a weak, silly thing I am! He kindly withdrew, to give me time to recollect myself, and in about half an hour returned, and then, that he might not begin at once upon the subject, and say at the same time something agreeable to me, said, "'Your father and mother have had a great deal of talk by this time about you, Pamela. "'Oh, sir,' returned I, "'your goodness has made them quite happy. "'But I can't help being concerned about Lady Davers.' He said, "'I am vexed I did not hear the footman out, "'because it runs in my head,' he talked somewhat about her coming hither. "'She will meet with but an indifferent reception from me, "'unless she comes resolved to behave better than she writes.' Pray, sir, said I, be pleased to bear with my good lady. For two reasons. What are they? said he. Why, first, sir, answered I, because she is your sister, and, to be sure, may very well think what all the world will, that you have much undervalued yourself in making me happy, and next, because if her ladyship finds you out of temper with her, it will still aggravate her more against me, and every time— that any warm words you may have between you come into her mind she will disdain me more don't concern yourself about it said he for we have more proud ladies than she in our other neighbourhood who perhaps have still less reason to be punctilious about their descent and yet will form themselves upon her example and say why his own sister will not forgive him nor visit him and so if i can subdue her spirit which is more than her husband ever could or indeed anybody else, it is a great point gained, and, if she gives me reason, I'll try for it, I assure you. Well, but, my dear girl, continued he, since the subject is so important, may I not say one word about it to-morrow? Sir, said I, I hope I shall be less a fool. I have talked as harshly to my heart as Lady Davers can do, and the naughty thing suggests to me a better and more grateful behaviour. He smiled and, kissing me, said, I took notice, Pamela, of what you observed, that you have none of your own sex with you. I think it is a little hard upon you, and I should have liked you should have had Miss Darnford, but then her sister must have been asked, and I might as well make a public wedding, which, you know, would have required clothes and other preparations. Besides, added he, a foolish proposal was once made me of that second sister, who has two or three thousand pounds more than the other, left her by a godmother, and she can't help being a little piqued, though, said he, it was a proposal they could not expect should succeed, for there is nothing in her person, nor mind, and her fortune, as that must have been the only inducement, would not do by any means, and so I discouraged it at once. "'I am thinking, sir,' said I, "'of another mortifying thing, too.' that were you to marry a lady of birth, and fortune answerable to your own, all the eve to the day would be taken up in reading, signing, and sealing of settlements, and portion, and such like. But now the poor Pamela brings you nothing at all, and the very clothes she wears, so very low as she, are entirely the effects of your bounty, and that of your good mother. This makes me a little sad, for alas, sir, I am so much oppressed by your favours, and the sense of the obligations I lie under, that I cannot look up with the confidence that I otherwise should on this awful occasion. There is, my dear Pamela, said he, where the power is wanting as much generosity in the will as in the action. To all that know your story and your merit it will appear that I cannot recompense you for what I have made you suffer. You have had too many hard struggles and exercises, and have nobly overcome— and who shall grudge you the reward of the hard-bought victory? This affair is so much the act of my own will, that I glory in being capable of distinguishing so much excellence, and my fortune is the more pleasurable to me, as it gives me hope that I may make you some part of satisfaction for what you have undergone. This, sir, said I, is all goodness, unmerited on my side, and makes my obligations the greater. I can only wish for more worthiness.' but how poor is it to offer nothing but words for such generous deeds and to say i wish for what is a wish but the acknowledged want of power to oblige and a demonstration of one's poverty in everything but will and that my dear girl said he is everything tis all i want tis all that heaven itself requires of us but no more of these little doubts though they are the natural impulses of a generous and grateful heart I want not to be employed in settlements those are for such to regard who make convenience and fortune the prime considerations i have possessions ample enough for us both and you deserve to share them with me and you shall do it with as little reserve as if you had brought me what the world reckons an equivalent for as to my own opinion you bring me what is infinitely more valuable an experienced truth a well-tried virtue and a wit and behaviour more than equal to the station you will be placed in. To say nothing of this sweet person that itself might captivate a monarch, and of the meekness of temper and sweetness of disposition, which make you superior to all the women I ever saw. Thus kind and soothing, and honourably affectionate, was the dear gentleman to the unworthy. Doubting, yet assured Pamela, and thus patiently did he indulge, and generously pardon my impertinent weakness. He offered to go up himself to Lady Jones, in the morning, and reveal the matter to her, and desire her secrecy and presence. But I said, that would disoblige the young lady Danford. No, sir, said I, I will cast myself upon your generous kindness, for why should I fear the kind protector of my weakness, and the guide and director of my future steps? You cannot, said he, forgive Mrs. Jukes, "'for she must know it, and suffer her to be with you?' "'Yes, sir,' said I, "'I can. "'She is very civil to me now, and her former wickedness I will forgive, "'for the sake of the happy fruits that have attended it, "'and because you mention her.' "'Well,' said he, "'I will call her in, if you please.' "'As you please, sir,' said I, and he rung for her. "'And when she came in, he said, "'Mrs. Jukes, I am going to entrust you with a secret.' "'Sir,' answered she, "'I will be sure to keep it as such.' "'Why,' said he, "'we intend to-morrow privately as possible, for our wedding-day, and Mr. Peters and Mr. Williams are to be here, as to breakfast with me, and to show Mr. Peters my little chapel. As soon as the ceremony is over, we will take a little airing in the chariot, as we have done at other times, and so it will not be wondered that we are dressed.' and the two parsons have promised secrecy, and will go home. I believe you can't well avoid letting one of the maids into the secret, but that I'll leave to you.' "'Sir,' replied she, "'we all concluded it would be in a few days, and I doubt it won't be long a secret.' "'No,' said he, "'I don't desire it should, but you know we are not provided for a public wedding, and I shall declare it when we go to Bedfordshire, which won't be long.' But the men who lie in the outhouses need not know it, for, by some means or other, my sister Davers knows all that passes. Do you know, sir, said she, that her ladyship intends to be down here with you in a few days? Her servant told me so, who brought you the letter you were angry at. I hope, said he, we shall be set out for t'other house first, and shall be pleased she loses her labor. Sir, continued she, Her ladyship proposes to be here time enough to hinder your nuptials, which she takes, as we did, will be the latter end of next week. Well, said he, let her come, but yet I desire not to see her. Mrs. Jukes said to me, Give me leave, madam, to wish you all manner of happiness, but I am afraid I have too well obeyed his honour to be forgiven by you. Indeed, Mrs. Jukes, returned I, you will be more your own enemy than i will be i will look all forward and shall not presume so much as by a whisper to set my good master against any one he pleases to approve of and as to his old servants i shall always value them and never offer to dictate to his choice or influence it by my own caprices mrs jukes said my master you find you have no cause to apprehend anything "'My Pamela is very placable, and as we have both been sinners together, we must both be included in one act of grace. Such an example of condescension as I have before me, Mrs. Jukes,' said I, "'may make you very easy, for I must be highly unworthy, if I did not forgo all my little resentments, if I had any, for the sake of so much goodness to myself.' "'You are very kind, madam,' said she and you may depend upon it. I will atone for all my faults, by my future duty and respect to you, as well as to my master.' "'That's well said on both sides,' said he. "'But, Mrs. Jukes, to assure you that my good girl here has no malice, she chooses you to attend her in the morning at the ceremony, and you must keep up her spirits.' "'I shall,' replied she. "'Be very proud—of the honor, "'But I cannot, madam,' but wonder to see you so very low-spirited, as you have been these two or three days past, with so much happiness before you. "'Why, Mrs. Jukes,' answered I, "'there can be but one reason given, and that is that I am a sad fool. But, indeed, I am not ungrateful neither, nor would I put on a foolish affectation. But my heart at times sinks within me. I know not why, except at my own unworthiness.' And because the honour done me is too high for me to support myself under, as I should do. It is an honour, Mrs. Jukes, added I. I was not born to, and no wonder, then, I behave so awkwardly. She made me a fine compliment upon it, and withdrew, repeating her promises of care, secrecy, etc. He parted from me with very great tenderness, and I came up and set to writing to amuse my thoughts and wrote thus far. And Mrs. Jukes being come up, and it being past twelve, I will go to bed, but not one wink, I fear, shall I get this night. I could beat myself for anger. Sure, there is nothing ominous in this strange folly, but I suppose all young maidens are the same, so near, so great a change of condition, that they carry it off more discreetly than I. Thursday, six o'clock in the morning. I might as well have not gone to bed last night, for what sleep I had. Mrs. Jukes often was talking to me, and said several things that would have been well enough from anybody else of our sex, but the poor woman has so little purity of heart that it is all safe from her, and goes no farther than the ear. I fancy my master has not slept much neither, for I heard him up and walking about his chamber ever since break of day." to be sure, good gentleman, he must have some concern, as well as I, for here he is going to marry a poor foolish unworthy girl brought up on the charity, as one may say, at least bounty, of his worthy family. And this foolish girl must be, to all intents and purposes, after twelve o'clock this day, as much his wife as if he were to marry a duchess. And here he must stand the shocks of common reflection the great Mr. B., has done finely, has married his poor servant Winch, will some say. The ridicule and rude jests of his equals and companions, too, he must stand, and the disdain of his relations and indignation of Lady Davers, his lofty sister. Dear good gentleman, he will have enough to do, to be sure. Oh, how shall I merit all these things at his hand?' I can only do the best I can, and pray to God to reward him, and resolve to love him with a pure heart, and serve him with a sincere obedience. I hope the dear gentleman will continue to love me for this, for, alas, I have nothing else to offer. But, as I can hardly expect so great a blessing, if I can be secure from his contempt, I shall not be unfortunate, and must bear his indifference, if his rich friends should inspire him with it and proceed with doing my duty with cheerfulness half an hour past eight o'clock my good dear master my kind friend my generous benefactor my worthy protector and oh all the good words in one my affectionate husband that is soon to be be curbed in my proud heart know thyself and be conscious of thy unworthiness has just left me with the kindest tenderest expressions and gentlest behaviour that ever blessed a happy maiden. He approached me with a sort of reined-in rapture. "'My Pamela,' said he, "'may I just ask after your employment?' "'Don't let me chide my dear girl this day, however. The two parsons will be here to breakfast with us at nine, and yet you are not a bit dressed. Why this absence of mind and sweet irresolution?' "'Why, indeed, sir,' said I, "'I will set about a reformation this instant.' He saw the common prayer-book lying in the window. "'I hope,' said he, "'my lovely maiden has been coning the lessons she is by and by to repeat. Have you not, Pamela?' and clasped his arms about me, and kissed me. "'Indeed, sir,' said I, "'I have been reading over the solemn service. And what thinks, my fairest,' for so he called me, "'of it? Oh, sir, tis very awful, and makes one shudder to reflect upon it.' "'No wonder,' said he." it should affect my sweet Pamela. I have been looking into it this morning, and I can't say but I think it a solemn but very suitable service. But this I tell, my dear love," continued he, and again clasped me to him, "...there is not a tittle in it that I cannot joyfully subscribe to, and that, my dear Pamela, should make you easy and join cheerfully in it with me." I kissed his dear hand. O my generous, kind protector, said I, how gracious is it to confirm thus the doubting mind of your poor servant, which apprehends nothing so much as her own unworthiness of the honour and blessing that await her. He was pleased to say, I know well, my dearest creature, that according to the liberties we people of fortune generally give ourselves, I have promised a great deal, when I say so. But I would not have said it, if deliberately i could not with all my heart so banish from your mind all doubt and uneasiness let a generous confidence in me take place and let me see it does by your cheerfulness in this day's solemn business and then i will love you for ever may god almighty sir said i reward all your goodness to me that is all i can say but oh how kind it is in you to supply the want of the presence and comfortings of a dear mother of a loving sister or of the kind companions of my own sex which most maidens have to soothe their anxieties on the so near approach of so awful a somnity you sir are all these tender relations in one to me your condescensions and kindness shall if possible embolden me to look up to you without that sweet terror that must confound poor bashful maidens on such an occasion when they are surrendered up to a more doubtful happiness and to half-strange men whose good faith and good usage of them must be less experienced and is all involved in the dark bosom of futurity and only to be proved by the event this my dear pamela said he is most kindly said it shows me that you enter gratefully into my intention for i would by my conduct supply all these dear relations to you and i voluntarily promise from my heart to you what i think i could not with such assured resolutions of performance, to the highest-born lady in the kingdom. For let me tell my sweet girl, that after having been long tossed by the boisterous winds of a more culpable passion, I have now conquered it, and am not so much the victim of your beauty, all charming as you are, as of your virtue, and therefore may more boldly promise for myself, having so stable a foundation for my affection, which, should this outward beauty fail, will increase with your virtue and shine forth the brighter, as that is more illustriously displayed by the augmented opportunities which the condition you are now entering into will afford you. Oh, the dear charming man, how nobly, how encouragingly kind was all this! I could not suitably express myself, and he said, I see my girl is at a loss for words, I doubt not your kind acceptance of my declarations, and when I have acted too much the part of a libertine formerly for you to look back without some anxiety, I ought not, being now happily convicted, to say less. But why loses my girl her time? I will now only add that I hope for many happy years to make good, by my conduct, what so willingly flows from my lips." He kissed me again, and said, "'But whatever you do, Pamela, be cheerful or else maybe of the small company we shall have some one not knowing how to account for your too nice modesty will think there is some other person in the world whose addresses would be still more agreeable to you this he said with an air of sweetness and pleasantry but it alarmed me exceedingly and made me resolve to appear as calm and cheerful as possible for this was, indeed, a most affecting expression, and enough to make me, if anything can, behave as I ought, and to force my idle fears to give way to hopes so much better grounded. And I began, almost, on this occasion, to wish Mr. Williams were not to marry me, lest I should behave like a fool, and so be liable to an imputation which I should be most unworthy, if I deserved. So I set about dressing me instantly, and he sent Mrs. Jukes to assist me. But I am never long addressing when I set about it, and my master has now given me a hint that will, for half an hour more at least, keep my spirits in a brisk circulation. Yet it concerns me a little too, lest he should have any the least shadow of a doubt that I am not, mind and person, entirely his. And so being now ready and not called to breakfast, I sat down and wrote thus far. I might have mentioned that I dressed myself in a rich white satin nightgown that had been my good lady's, and my best head-clothes, etc. I have got such a knack of writing that when I am by myself I cannot sit without a pen in my hand. But I am now called to breakfast. I suppose the gentlemen are come. Now, courage, Pamela. Remember thou art upon thy good behavior. Fie upon it. My heart begins to flutter again. Foolish heart, be still! Never, sure, was any maiden's perverse heart under so little command as mine. It gave itself away, at first, without my leave. It has been for weeks pressing me with its wishes, and yet now, when it should be happy itself, and make me so, it is throb, 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 like a little fool, and filling me with such unseasonable misgivings as abate the rising comforts of all my better prospects. End of section 24